Hello and welcome to the Light from Light podcast with me, Daniel, and me, Brother Thomas Therese. Comma OP. Comma OP. <laughs> I was at Mass this morning and one of your religious brothers had a quote from some Dominican, Victor White or something like that? Oh yeah, Victor, Victor White. Yeah. Victor White. Victor White. He said Victor White OP. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> Victor uh, Victor White, I think, was a friend of Carl Jung, the famous psychologist. Oh. Uh, and they had a falling out, and I think Victor never really recovered from it. He never really oh, they built up a friendship, and um, they had a disagreement about something. Uh, it might have been to do with grace in in the psychological. The psychological world or something. Oh, that's, that's quite interesting. So Carl Jung was very good friends with a Dominican friar. Oh, yeah, who lived here in Oxford, yeah. Carl Jung lived here? No, 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 no. Oh. Uh, Victor White was a, was a Dominican here in Oxford. Um, and, uh, yeah, they were... They were friends. I think it was Victor White, yeah. Look at the Dominicans are good friends with lots of people. Yeah, lots of Vulcan, key philosophers. C.S. Lewis and the Ditchling Movement and Eric Gill and the, the famous... Um, the Inklings and the Ditchlings, and yeah, yeah. Fascinating. We should do an episode on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dominicans and the, and the people that they've influenced in British culture. Also, mm. of course, in, back in the day, before the Reformation, we were confessors to kings and queens of, uh, of England, and we had an Archbishop of Canterbury, Robert Kilwoodby. Um, yes. Yeah. Is he a, a saint? Blessed. No, 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 no. Is he a bad man? No, I, not, <laughs> not, not necessarily. Although it, I suppose it depends who you ask, because um, he did burn the works of Thomas Aquinas in public. Uh, okay, yeah, that's how I know um, his name. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. He, was, he was a very clever man. He was very famous. Uh, was he a logician, I think he was? He did. He did What's that? A logician, somebody who um, does logic. I think logician, logician, yeah. So somebody who, who produces works of works of, of uh, on on the study of, of logic and things like that. Yeah, he had um... fascinating. Yeah. Anyway, we better <laughs> we better we better get on with our episode. You here actually in yeah. actually in Oxford. So today we're able to actually record in person uh together in oxford i, we, I must apologize we didn't have an episode last week because i got covid so uh that's why there was no episode last week i just i just wasn't well um but now i'm better thanks be to god and we can record an episode in person dan's come to visit me in the hallowed halls of uh blackfriars in oxford yeah. um so yeah and welcome uh, to my home just for our, our listeners home. He's he's fine. He's looking all right. He doesn't look too hasn't lost too much weight. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't look too dishevelled from his his time in isolation. I feel dishevelled. <laughs> I do a bit, yeah, I do. But it's no bad thing, you don't slept. <laughs> Did you do anything practical and beneficial during your isolation? Yeah, or yeah, you unable to? Yeah. Well, I, I for part of it I was unable to. I mean I should have had exams that week. Um some people sort of said, Oh, you know, you'll do anything to get out of exams. Um, but, uh, and I had a, a few meetings that week, which I was actually really upset to miss because I, I actually really enjoy going to meetings and like a lot of people. Um, yeah, you love, you love a cup of tea, you love oh, meetings, cup of tea, biscuits, custard creams. Yeah. I, I love meetings. I like meetings. I like hearing what people think and what people have got to say. I just find it absolutely fascinating. Even when, when I disagree with them and I, yeah, I, I like community meetings and he loves holding council. I do, I do. I, I just, I just find it really interesting hearing what people have got to say. You know, I, I do. I just, people are interesting, aren't they? Yeah, people are very interesting. 
Yeah, I think that's probably a, a good way of approaching conversations with people who we disagree with. Is it's fascinating why they hold their views, why they have a absolutely yeah. I mean, even when I disagree with somebody, yeah. um, I was talking to um, uh, Brother Giovanni last night um, on WhatsApp, and um, one of the things I think that came across quite well was that um, even when we disagree, we have such a profound respect for each other mm -hmm. and the position that each other holds because we know that we've both got to that position through a lot of study mm. and thinking and um there's uh there's something you can get your teeth stuck into you know um i i and i do really appreciate that so even when i disagree with somebody i find it fascinating to listen to them and try to understand why they've come to that position mm. and then maybe i have to modify my own views i mean I, one of the things i've often said is that when you're in a debate with somebody about something um wouldn't it be nice every now and again to watch a debate between two people where mm. somebody actually says actually you know what i think you might be right i don't think of any example maybe us you know if you're talking about something and then actually your your view helps me to understand a, a subject much better yeah i, I, I guess I, that's the mark of friendship is journeying together towards truth I think it should be the mark of every discussion and conversation that's had. I think we've mentioned that before. But yeah, that should be the mark of every conversation and encounter between two humans or between mm. two different organizations. Or I think this even, journey towards truth. Even when it's like, even when it's um, not necessarily explicit, I think people are um, seeking for truth. Um, mm. I mean, this is one of the things I think I said in a reflection not that long ago, you know, whether, whether, you know, whatever your belief system is, whether you're an atheist, whether you're a Catholic, whether you have uh, another faith, or even if you're just going to see a good piece of art, I think a lot of the time, what you're pursuing there really is something which is true. You're looking for something which is, yeah, which is true. Um, and I think it's a similar thing in friendship. I, truth is not just propositional. Of course, I, I think that comes down. I mean, it's true to say, as Aristotle says, if you say of something that is, that it is, then you have spoken truly. But not all truth is propositional truth. You find truth in friendship and truth in, in relationships and love. When you fall in love, um, there is something very true there which can be beyond expression uh, and is not the subject of propositions uh, or intellectual an intellectual assent. Uh, there's something much, much more there. When you feed the, the the hungry, you're recognizing something true. When you clothe the naked and perform works of mercy, you're doing something which is true, and you recognize their dignity. But you're, it's not about you're not just giving an a, a intellectual assent to a proposition. But uh, I, think, I think that's you. You find that in all human experience. I mean, it's something that John Henry Newman talks about with the assent of of faith, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. He says it's not it's not based on one intellectual argument yeah. that seals it for a person to believe in God. It's based on a whole array of different things. Mm -hmm. And I know Bishop Robert Brown talks about that a lot. The illative sense, I think he calls yeah. it the illative sense. Yeah, um, you but go. I think on that's a the case. Series of yeah, not not just of. with. Not, not just with truth and arguments and, and philosophical things, it's it's also true of relationships. Yes. So how absolutely. do you how do you know that this person loves you? It's not just based on, on their words saying mm -hmm. they love you. Mm -hmm. It's based on on way more than that. It's based on actions, it's based on on longevity, stability yeah. within the relationship, it's based on lit even just body language with each other. Yeah. 
you know that that's how you know that that person loves you and partly you accept it because you also want it to be true on some level you mm. know you want to be loved by others i think that's a fundamental part of being human you want to love others and you want to be loved by others sometimes we do that in ways which are unhealthy or disordered in some way but it's just taking a good i mean that's but a, you that's want it. yeah exactly you want to love and you want and you want to be loved mm. and, and this this is part of that illiterate sense in this way that you come to know things you know um i mean we accept things on on the claims of other people all the time yeah. even in science you know how many of us you know all of us will believe something that's that we would take as scientifically true uh that pluto exists for example um, I've never been in been a microscope to see, or not a microscope. Yeah, you've never been in <laughs> a microscope. Uh, I've never looked at a telescope <laughs> to see if, if Pluto is there. You wouldn't find much under a microscope for, yeah. for Pluto. But you know, don't don't you see this sometimes in 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 modern life that there is there can be a sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it, I I think it, it's it's ridiculous that people find it difficult to accept something as true based on the uh, testimony of somebody who might know better than them. Someone that is an mm. expert in their field, right? Yeah. So if you have somebody who, who's an expert in the field of science or somebody who's who's uh, an expert in the field of philosophy or theology or, or art, there is a certain sort of weight that we have to give to those uh, propositions and that sort of deference is not just shown in one field or should not just be shown in one field but in in other fields and we do accept on the testimony of other people things all the time mm. you know i walk down the corridor and i say to my brother is it raining outside do i need to take a coat and he says no it's a beautiful day I don't then go over to the window and say, oh, I'll be the judge of that, you know, and stick my hand out the window. You know, I accept that what they're saying to me is true. But um, I think sometimes distrust can can come about through experience. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, one of the one of the best examples at the moment is, say, politicians. There's a mm -hmm. massive distrust of politicians, yeah. which isn't born from nowhere. It's yeah. born from, you know, from from experience where people have felt burnt by politicians so they've said one thing they've done another thing i yeah. mean it's not just politicians I'm just using it as a as a prominent example so th there is that uh there's that sense where it's different from from your brother there so you would trust your religious brother because you've been I have experience. Yeah. Well, sometimes they don't. I mean, you know, we have lots of guests here. Yeah. Um, uh, from provinces. Maybe you don't have a reason to distrust. I don't have a reason to distrust. Yeah. I mean, I think I think there is some, I think there is some truth to that. Um, but I think you can get yourself into what philosophers might call a sort of skeptical bog. You yeah. Know? I, I was going to say, uh, you, you probably you probably need a spirit of deference in society when it comes yeah. to those who do claim to have a, a, a knowledge and a, a background, a, a certain expert level. But what was it Michael Gove said with uh, around um, um, Britain leaving the European Union? People have got fed up of experts, uh, regardless of what one might think mm. about about um, uh, about Brexit. I think there's something actually quite worrying to some to some extent about that statement. People are fed up of experts and. Mm. Um, we don't live our lives as though we test absolutely every single proposition that somebody makes to us or everything that lays lays claim uh, to truth in our life. 
and I, I don't think anybody can realistically live like that. But I do think that we are living in an age that is more distrustful for various reasons and more despairing, I think, to some extent as a result of that. Um, so how, yeah. how would you help? How would you help someone who didn't want to live under that despairing attitude? So mm -hmm. wanted to be that more transfer what what would be the practical tools for that that's a good question i mean how do you help somebody to trust again you know mm. i suppose in part by being trustworthy yourself uh i think that's that's part of it i think maybe also pointing out that people can't live their lives as though they distrust absolutely everything you know it reminds me of rene descartes and i think therefore i am and mm. he was looking for something that was indubitably true he was looking for something that was unquestionably true, which is a noble, a noble endeavor. Yeah. It's a good thing to want to find something which is true. Um, but I want the, one of the things that he didn't doubt was his own methodology. Is this really the right way to go about finding something that's undoubtedly true? Mm. Is, is questioning everything really the way in which we could do that? I mean, to what extent then do you not sort of fall into paranoia? Uh, and sort of shred other human ways of knowing and instinct and um, yeah I, so I think part of it's about just building up trust uh, with others and that happens on a human level not just on a on a propositional level um, it's interesting you mentioned Descartes because your your older brother Thomas Aquinas is someone who really valued questions and the pursuit of truth mm. so how how would you explain the difference between Descartes' pursuit of truth and Thomas Aquinas's pursuit of truth? Well, I think, well, I, I, yeah, I think but you're right. I think how, that, how does how does Thomas Aquinas go about it in the right way? Uh, Descartes. Say, yeah, and uh, Descartes is... Well, Thomas Aquinas believes that fundamentally some things just have to be revealed, that you can't reason to everything. So that's a, that's a big difference there. So he accepts that as a, say, first principle. So, and that that's almost his foundation that he moves from uh to some extent i mean th this is one of the principles of thomas's thomas's theology i mean descartes does also believe in revealed truth but that's not what he uses in terms of his finding out and he makes all sorts of leaps in his in his own argumentation descartes the more you sort of get into his thought okay. um oh. but yeah i, I mean I mean, both of them believe in the intelligibility of the world. Both believe that there is something to be known uh, that, that can be known. And if there is something that can be known, uh, then there is something which can be true. And if there is something that can be true, then there must be something that can be false. So both of them have some common ground there. Um, the way in which we know something as being certainly true um, there's more there are more ways in which we can know something is certainly true for aquinas so you can know that something is certainly true for aquinas if god has revealed it because god is truth itself so because god is true when god communicates something to you and descartes actually has something very similar that god actually can't deceive mm -hmm. and and if there was something which was to be deceptive then it could not be god uh essentially um so yeah if if god reveals something then you can know that it is certainly true and so for aquinas things like the trinity have been revealed jesus christ is the, the full and ultimate um self-disclosure of god um 
so this is something which is yeah certainly true but there are other things that we can know by way of our natural reason but our natural reason is limited there are things we can know through our natural reason but we can't know everything through our natural reason aquinas says you can't exhaust the essence of a single fly mm -hmm. for example and you know my confirmation candidates one of the first things i say to them is what is it that makes a table a table and they'll say, oh, well, it's made of wood and it's got four legs. And I say, well, I've got a table that's got three legs and it's made of metal and glass. So what is it that makes a table a table? Mm. Well, you can put things on it. Well, I can put things on my kitchen work oh, surface. <laughs> yeah, I can put things yeah. on my bed. Is my bed a table? Is the table just a function? Um, so then you have this... Um, and then they go away saying, there is no truth. They realise that actually there are limits to your to your reason mm. right there are limits to your reason and if these are things that they think that they that they know it might just be that they can't articulate it you know if these are things that they think they know that they struggle to talk about because they look at me like i'm stupid when i say it mm. like obviously everybody knows what a table is um but there are um limits to human ways of understanding and human ways of knowing like for example another example french i studied french for years and i am no closer to understanding it now than what i was back in the day um, i don't know when we traveled around france in like pilgrims you were fluent what? yeah <laughs> um there, there is there if if there are some things that i'm going to have to accept on the testimony of other people mm. based on their own experience and their own competence. And it's not to say that experts don't disagree. It's not to say that there is no sense of trust in there at all. Um, of, of course there is. And it's not to say that there are some things that we might believe are true that actually turn out not to be true or turn out to be more complicated in the future. Mm. Um, but understanding that there are different ways of knowing that there is something that's a bit like faith that is involved in knowing, I think is a very, a, a very important thing. And we sometimes sort of intuitively live our life as though that is true without actually realizing that that's true. Um, so but yeah. How, how do you come to, to trust someone in, in, in your life? So, I, th I think that there are probably parallels between trusting an individual and trusting God. You know, how, so how, how would you say someone comes to trust uh, a person in their life? That's a good question. Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I think there's probably a multifaceted, a multifaceted response to that. I think part of it's going to be psychological mm -hmm. and de developmental. And sort of you see how people's trust very often can be damaged very early on in their life by how they're treated by their parents and their peers mm. for example that can have a detrimental or a very positive impact on trust so part of it comes from our experience of the world around us um but i think there is something quite instinctively instinctively there in in a human person when it comes to trust and i think that has to be violated a lot in order for one to have a very big mistrust often you know mm. um but yeah i mean maybe even when you're when you're a baby you know you have to trust that somebody's going to feed you that somebody's gonna care for you and look after you in some way not necessarily in a conscious way but maybe this is where we get that um instinctive 
uh, importance for trust from maybe mm. not, i'm not entirely sure <laughs> yeah that's what I've never really thought about it, to be honest, not not in detail. I'm sure I've said lots of really dodgy things about René Descartes and Thomas Aquinas now. (laughs) As you can probably tell, we haven't really planned this episode. We had actually planned to talk about something else. Yeah, Um, yeah. This 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 was launched off into into a different subject. It's just just us talking, not off uh, off the bat, without actually uh, talking about our our subject. But I think we can change uh, We can um, save our subject that we've for the next episode. For another episode, yeah. But it, I, th- I think it is interesting because the pursuit of truth is is when we say God is truth, yeah. But God isn't just truth. God is also a relationship. So I was mm-hmm. thinking that that to know God is not just like an academic subject. It's not just a subject to try and know as much as you can yes. about God. Is not a series of propositions. Yeah. yeah, and this is why I think sometimes um, in in schools, RE is taught. Uh, as a subject to come and know things about God, yes, which of course is is important. But God is more than just a, a series of propositions. Yeah, God is also a person that you come to encounter and trust. And I think that, that so there is a distinction there to to be made. And I think that's where you know I, I speak to lots of teenagers and even lots of adults who say that you know they've done RE, they know all this stuff. And and I said, well, there's a there is a difference there. So you know lots of things about God, but you don't know God personally. Like you yeah. can know, you know, in a relationship with someone or in a friendship, you can know lots of things about someone before you come to meet know, the person or meet yeah. them, yeah, or to have that sort of mutual sharing of life. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of catechesis uh, mm-hmm. with with teenagers who've studied RE is about enabling them opportunities to be able to encounter this one that they know lots about um yeah and that, i think that's so there's a difference the difference there to to come to a relationship with god is not uh solely to know loads of things about him it's mm-hmm. also to know him personally to, yeah to encounter him to and also that, that, that's, that's actually also a very important thing to say about faith as well faith is not just uh, sort of an intellectual assent to a series of propositions. That's not what yeah. faith is at all. And it's not just a trust of that of that individual, devoid of knowing th- knowing intellectual things about God. I think they they come together. What is Pope um, Pope Benedict XVI? He says that faith is an encounter with the person, with a person of Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. And so I think you you have these two things together. Faith doesn't go against your reason, mm. it, it and it's important to get those propositional elements of mm. the deposit of faith. It's important to get those propositional elements right. It's important to have good doctrine. Yeah. It's important to have good dogma. Um, it helps you to be a better disciple, and it does help draw you into a deeper relationship with with God and it helps you to live your life and helps you to help others and things like that and to know what is true. And it's it so that those things do matter. It matters what you think. And it also it shapes it shapes the relationship you have with the other person. Because if you think of if we say faith is trust in a in a person, if you just take it with that simple definition, that faith is trust in another person and to have that relationship with the other person. But then and, and you say it's not about knowing that person. But then later down the line you find out actually that person is a bad person. Or they've done stuff which isn't very nice. You could say, "Well, did I ever know this person? 
did I ever actually have a, a friendship or relationship with this person? It could be very damaging. So I think with when it comes to God, it's very important to have that faith and trust in that person, but to also know things about that person because it helps it helps feed both of them the mm. the faith and trust in the person and the knowledge about that person yeah it helps it helps to develop that greater relationship with that person yeah it helps you to see things that i think more more clearly mm. um when you have for example in 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 scripture when we read in the first letter of saint john god is love and he who lives in love lives in god and god lives in him that helps to shape how you understand god so then that way when when adversity does come our way and it can shake our our faith in god um i think those other revelations which we have experienced help us to try and come to a deeper a deeper understanding a deeper knowledge a deeper love a deeper faith and a, a deeper relationship um with the one who who we have known yeah hmm yeah, so so doctrine is important as well. Mm, um, yeah, I'd I'd say so. Mm. I mean, it's one of the reasons that I think why why I'm a Dominican. Um, Dominicans are driven by a love for questions mm. and a love for truth, um, and we fundamentally believe in the intelligibility and the knowability of things. I mean, it's quite interesting, sort of, to say that, isn't it? When Aquinas sort of says, you know when he talks about the knowability of God and whether God is knowable and not, and he, he wants to emphasize the, the mystery and the transcendence uh, uh, of God. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, Dominicans fundamentally are, are still driven by that love and passion for the truth. And but it's not either or it's, it's both. Isn't both. It? Yeah, yeah. It's both yeah. that God is unknowable in, the, in his essence. Paul, but Paul that Murray, he chooses to reveal yeah. himself to us. Paul, know, Paul Murray talks about it in terms of an excessive light. It's not an yeah, excessive yeah. darkness. I'm sure he gets it from somewhere else. That, that's how I remember. Um, yeah, I came across, it, came across it the other day. But someone else mentioned it, but I can't remember exactly who it was. But yeah, that, I don't know. I, I think I, I think there's yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of truth in that. But that. It's amazing that God is unknowable, but he chooses to reveal himself to us. And I think that's mm. that's very important. He chooses to reveal himself most fully uh, in the yeah. person of Christ. Aquinas believes that we can know that God is and that there are certain things mm. we can know about God. So we can know that God is perfect and that God is um, uh, the source of all things. He's the unmoved mover and the uncaused cause. And because he's the unmoved mover and the uncaused cause, that's that, that necessarily involves certain things about God. For example, God's unchanging but we can't know that god is love unless god reveals it to us or that we can't know trinity of persons yeah trinity of we can't know that, that yeah that, that god has become man in the person of jesus christ except by the fact that god has revealed it to us mm. um that we have a supernatural end uh, yeah that our, our purpose in life is union with god and yeah in heaven we might be able to know um i mean for example when we think about things like creation uh, why is there something rather than nothing if god has no need of anything because god is perfect and god's non-dependent uh, mm. on others why is there something other than nothing well out of gratuitous love yeah um that might be something then that we can 
know through reason. I'm sure some people will be able to push back on that and sort of say, well, how do you know it's for a good purpose and not for a bad purpose? And then you might have to say, well, revelation, uh, because God reveals himself as love. Um, but I think through yeah. reason. I'm just sort of uh, thinking it thinking think loud. Yeah. But I'm thinking of what <laughs> that Aristotle says about being, uh, you can reason to God being perfect. Mm. So I don't think you could say uh, that creation is made. I don't think it would be you would be able to say by reason alone that uh, God created the world for evil. I don't think you. you well, could you, reason you, that. you could. I, I don't. I don't. Know. I think some people might be able to say. So, for example, Stephen Law, um, who used to be a philosophy uh, professor where I did my undergrad, Heathrow College. Mm. Um, Stephen Law used to say. Um, Basically, how do you know that this isn't all the creation of of a bad god? Um, you know, and if I if I was a really wicked god, I would reveal myself to this group of people in one way and to this other group of people in another way, and then watch them fight um, because I'm a, a a wicked evil god and I like seeing conflict. Uh, that's something that, that mm. Stephen Law, um, who's an atheist philosopher, that's something that he posits. So he might be able to come up with something, but I mean. I'd say his reason is flawed um, mm. from that perspective, but it doesn't mean that that he hasn't reasoned there. I just say it's, it's flawed, reasoned it? perfectly. Yeah. yeah, but I suppose ultimately... As we all often do <laughs> yeah. about various things. Yeah. yeah, I suppose ultimately God has revealed himself to us as, mm -hmm. as love, as he says in scripture, God is love. Mm-hmm. Your favourite passage yeah. in scripture. <laughs> I, it is my favourite passage. I've one got, John. I've got, I've got a couple. Uh, one, yeah, one John, I think it's in, in chapter three, isn't it? God is love. He who lives in love lives in God and God lives in him. That's something that changed my changed my world, really. Something that changed my whole perspective on God and on life and on the world in general. Mm -hmm. I found, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what, maybe I should save my my stockiness for another time. Yeah, another episode. Another one that I love is uh, from one Timothy: the church is the pillar and ground of truth. And mm. uh, that's another one that I've I've become a very big fan of. Mm. Uh, Ephesians four: live a life worthy of your vocation. Um, yeah, live a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Bear one another in all forbearance and charity. I have, to, I have to stop you here, otherwise you'll be reading the, you'll be recalling the I whole of script. I have to double your mind. Well, that well, was an unexpected random chat, really, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but I think it was, it was nice. You know, first time back in person together yeah. for a while, actually recording an episode together. It's, it, 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 it seems to flow a lot yeah. more easily when we're recording in the same room than it, than it does when we record online together. So there we are. There's an episode nice. on all sorts of yeah. things. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what we're going to call this episode. Uh, yeah, I, I apologize for any sort of random dodgy things I, I said in my comparison about uh, Aquinas <laughs> and Descartes. I'm sure that um, my brothers will rip me to shreds later for my random off the cuff. Yeah, I think that's it. It's probably quite... probably my fault for for positing questions. <laughs> about things about which I know not. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But then you're probably to blame for talking about things which you know not. <laughs> well, our next episode, uh, we I think we can say is going to be on celibacy because that's one that we intended to record today. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and, and which is what we're going to record. Which is right now. Over this. now. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for listening to this episode. Hope you find it helpful in some way. Yeah, um, it's what we call it, but. <laughs> If yeah. it's helpful in some way, please share it with other people and uh, look out for the next episode. <laughs> Great. God bless. Bye. God bless.